Thank you for listening to the Prairie Oaks Pulpit Podcast. This is a recording of our Sunday morning sermons here at Prairie Oaks Baptist Church in Prairie Grove, Arkansas. Thank you for being a participant in this ministry through this media. And thank you to those who helped make it possible. Now may God bless you and keep you. And let's get to the message. Amen. Thank you, Brother Cletus. So Matthew chapter 3. And I'm going to slowly work through it. That's how I'm going to do it. So we're going to read the first seven verses of Matthew chapter 3, and then I'll pick up and we'll finish the rest of the chapter later. But if you would, out of respect for God's word, would you stand with me? In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins." Let's pause again for prayer. Father, just thankful you've given us this time together. I thank you uh, just to uh, get us here safely, praying that you uh, just bless our time together. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you, O Lord. And so we have come to see Jesus. And so show us Jesus. Teach us, Lord. We want you to work in here in the children's chapel that... Souls would be saved, that lives would be transformed, and your name would be praised. We thank you, O oh God, for your faithfulness, for your holiness, for your righteousness, for your wisdom, for your might, for your love, for your mercy, and your grace. Thank you for Jesus, who embodies all these things. And we thank you for your Spirit, who applies these to our hearts. In, in the name and for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And so this is, this is kind of a big deal in that this is where it starts. This is, there's uh, some hints and allegations in the, in the Old Testament, but it is with John the Baptist that we get baptized. It, or this, the thought of baptism. In fact, it, it's in his name, right? I mean... It's John the Baptist. But as he comes, he was, the Old Testament foretold that there would be one who would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare the way of the Lord. That God was coming and he would send a prophet to prepare the way. And John sees himself in that way clearly because he says as such. They're like, so who are you? And he says, I'm the voice. I'm the one who cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, of God Almighty. Make his path straight. Make a way. He's coming. Now, he wasn't talking about get the potholes out of the road or, you know, you know, make the switchbacks wider. He wasn't talking about roads or anything, was he? He was talking about hearts. And that's why he came preaching 
repentance. Is that hearts needed changed. Hearts needed prepared for God. And the biggest impediment for God coming into the heart is pride. And so the first thing that needs to take place is this change of attitude. This change of heart. We need God to prepare the way. And so he, John the Baptist, he's preaching, repent. Fancy Bible word for having a change of attitude, a change of mind. Because we are in our ruts of sin, just going along, following the rut. And unfortunately, the rut is what Jesus described as the way that is broad and the, and the gate that is wide. And it leads to destruction. And so there needs to be a change in which we see our sin and say, I don't want that anymore. And to turn and seek after God instead. And so it's, it's there's also a, a, a driving term for this. It's a U-turn. It's flipping the U-E and going the other direction. And so we see where John preaching repentance, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and people were coming and they were confessing their sins. They were admitting that they were sinners. And this was a hard thing because in that time, people wanted to put on the mask and put on the show and say, I've got everything all right. I don't know what's wrong with you, sinner, but I'm okay. Well, that's not having their hearts ready for God. That's the opposite of it. And so and it's not about, you know, airing your dirty laundry or seeing how bad of a sinner you can be. But it is about just admitting I'm not right with God and I need God to make me right with him. And so that's all on the in the inside. But there was a physical symbol of that spiritual reality taking place. And that's what baptism was all about is that and this is where in the uh, in the way that they did the Old Testament laws then if one needed to be cleansed they would dunk themselves to show that they were but this was different this was not them cleaning themselves up because now we realize oh we can't clean ourselves up we need God to do it and so that's why John was the one who was baptizing people. And this will be important here in a little bit, but that word baptize in the Greek is, sounds very similar to the way it does in English because the word means to dip, to dunk, to immerse something. And so it's not just fancy church language. In their mind, if you were to uh, uh, if you were a native Greek and you were to hear this word, you would think of, you know, chips and dip. You would think of dunking things to get it washed. It was that kind of thing. And so have that picture in your mind. We'll come back to it later. And so here we go. John is out there and he's gone to the Jordan River. There's plenty of water there. It's one of the few flowing rivers in the whole country. And he's there baptizing people who confess their sins, 
confess that they're sinners, and they want to be right with God because they know God is coming. So then let's look at verses 7 and following. So verse 7, but when he, speaking of John the Baptist, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So now we have, he has some people coming and and if you're not sure who these people are, Pharisees and Sadducees, they're kind of the, the religious leaders of their day. Maybe not all that religious at times, but they were very much so the religious leaders. The Pharisees, they were the ones that kind of ran the synagogues, the places where the people would gather in their towns. The Sadducees, they ran the temple there in Jerusalem where everyone went to make their sacrifices and stuff. And unfortunately... In many cases, these were people that had kind of gotten to be powerful. And that whole axiom of power corrupts, they had gotten corrupt. And you catch that in John's statement, right? If he calls you the sons and daughters of snakes, it's probably not a compliment. He's getting after them. And he says, what? I want to see results. I don't want you to just come here and supervise. I don't want you just to come here and partake so that you look good in front of everyone else. I want to see real repentance. Because remember what we said about repentance. It's not just putting on the show that, oh, I'm a sinner and trying to be the worst sinner. It's a change of attitude that results in action because you're going a new direction. And so repentance should bear fruit, he says. So don't rest on your laurels. Don't rest on your genealogy. I don't care if your daddy was a preacher or your grandpa was a deacon or any of those things. You need to be repenting. Something has to change in you. Even if you grew up in church all your life, there's got to be a change. I want to see good fruit. And he gets after him. He says, if there's no good fruit, know that judgment is coming. And the judgment is going to come from the one who comes next. It's not going to be John the Baptist. That's not his job. He's just preaching the message, prepare the way. But he says, the one who comes after me He is mighty. He is, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes and wash his feet. He is the one who's going to come and he will 
and this is, this is important, he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now John, he's the prophet of God. He is preaching the message of the Lord Almighty. And as he does so, he's preaching all of it at once. And we're going to see Jesus tease this out a little bit in that he's going to say, I came first coming to bring the Holy Spirit. When I come next time, I'm coming with fire. And he uses that word baptize on purpose. Because when he comes the first time, he's going to come and he's going to immerse people into the Holy Spirit, which is a fulfillment of the new covenant that was promised in the, in the Old Testament prophets. The next time he comes, everything's going to be immersed in fire. So what kind of people should we be knowing that all these things will be burned up? Is the way Peter would ask that question. And so John says, you better get ready. You better be changing your mind about your sins, your pride, and just coasting along. It's time to repent. And I think John is, is, is saying it without saying it. He's not just talking about a one-time deal. He's talking about an everyday deal, isn't he? Because I don't know about you, but every day I'm finding out oh, there's still sin in this old nasty body and I'm still having to repent. Amen. If you don't think so, then you might ought to have some conversations with God. Oh, I had to confess to my Sunday school class a little more than I was comfortable doing, but it was the truth. And so just confess that I'm a sinner. I've been a sinner saved by grace. But it is not of works. Thank God, because I ain't got any to make any better. My works are, as we read in Isaiah, are as filthy rags. If I was to tell you what that really says, you would be yucked out and you would get mad at me for talking that way from the pulpit. But it's very graphic. He says it is time for us to be changed. Now, there's good news in this, it's not me that's going to have to muster up the ability to change. It's going to be him. Because in that new covenant promise, see, there's a lot. When you start pulling on a thread here in these thoughts that the apostle or the or the the prophet is saying here in the New Testament, there's a lot attached to it. So when he says he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and you say, oh, that's a new covenant promise. Well, what else is included in that? I will give you a new heart. I will take out the stone of flesh, the heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you. I will put my laws in your heart. You just keep pulling on that thread. And it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot going on. I just thought it was a little. No, 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 no. There's a lot going on. But in that. It is a reminder. This is a physical symbol of a spiritual reality. We think that what we see and can touch is what is real. But these things are temporary because of the immersion and fire coming up later. What is real is what God sees, what is spiritual. Man looks on the outward appearance. It's deceptive. God looks on the heart. And that's where God is working. And that's why he sends 
his Holy Spirit to take up residence in us to affect the change that needs to be where he sees it at the heart. And so, I want to just show you something here. This is kind of cool. So, Acts chapter 10. I haven't even got to Jesus yet, and we're already covering some ground, aren't we? But Acts chapter 10, in verse 40... Oh, I'm going to read verse 47. But I want you to just flip over there so that you know where this is coming from. So, Acts chapter 10 is the... Apostle Peter, and he has been uh, preaching to Jews and preaching to, to Hebrews and, and been traveling along, and he has this vision, and, and I'm trying to keep the story short, but long story short is he is sent by God through the power of the Holy Spirit to go and preach to this Gentile, this Roman soldier, someone who you would not think of as being in God's care of attention because you weren't paying attention to what God said in the Old Testament as to how that works because he's always had his mind on those things. But anyways, Peter goes over there and he preaches to this tough Roman soldier and instead it's like this tough Roman soldier and his family and his friends and he is gathered up houseful because they are all hungry. They've been diligently seeking God and they need the reward. And so here we go. Peter gets there and they're like, so what is it you want to know? And they're like, we want to know what it is you have to tell us. Nothing like telling a preacher, go get him. And so he just goes at it. He starts telling them about Jesus. And he probably started at John the Baptist and just worked his way forward. And as he goes through, before he gets done they show evidence of the Holy Spirit being upon them, just like we saw in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. And Peter is like, whoa, I didn't think this was supposed to happen this way. And so Peter says, this is the middle of the sermon, Acts chapter 10, verse 47, then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And then he repeats the story in Acts chapter 11 and to a bunch of other people who are like, what are you doing going over here to these Gentiles? And he says, dude, I, there I was. And uh, verse 15, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? I'm not fighting with God. Good call, Peter. I think the rest of us probably could learn that lesson too, right? Um, and, so, and so they're like, well, I guess he's given them repentance just the same as he gave us. But I, read, I, I bring that out to say, to go ahead and hit this point now. So baptism first is a symbol of that repentance, right? And connected to that is the washing of sins. That the sins are washed away. Two is that John the Baptist has already connected it to receiving the Holy Spirit, that we're going to be immersed into the Holy Spirit. 
And again, physical symbol of the spiritual reality. I use that so that you know it isn't the baptism that washes our sins away. No, that happens spiritual reality when we get saved, when we pray. Just the same, we receive the Holy Spirit when we get saved. It's not in the baptism itself. As we saw with Cornelius and those guys, as Peter said, they already had the Holy Spirit. The physical symbol just needed to follow. And in their case, it was also important that they didn't have to get circumcised to be a part of the community. They just needed to get baptized because what they were doing was identifying with Jesus. And speaking of which, it's time to read the rest of Matthew chapter 3. So let's get in there. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus comes and receives this baptism. Now, I've already belabored the point because this is the baptism of repentance. Well, Jesus hadn't sinned. Even John the Baptist said so. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't sinned. There's no... I'm the sinner in this story. You need to baptize me. But Jesus says, just permit this, allow this, because we are fulfilling something bigger. And this is powerful. Fulfilling two important things. One, Jesus is validating baptism and John's message that you need to repent in order to be allowed into the kingdom of heaven. He's validating that because we need to know that message. But he's also our substitute. He is submitting to this because we need that. We need that. And so what we're doing is we are, when we get baptized, we're identifying with Jesus in that we're saying Jesus is my substitute. His perfect righteousness is then applied to me. So not only are my sins washed away, but I get his righteousness. Not only are... uh, Not only am I identifying with him, but I'm identifying with John's call for repentance and that I'm repenting. And not only am I identifying with that, but I'm also receiving the Holy Spirit that John promised Jesus was coming to bring that I need. And all of that is wrapped up in this thing where as I identify with Jesus, I'm not just identifying with him as a good person, but he is a good person. 
I'm not just identifying with him as a good teacher. He is the best teacher. I am identifying with him as the whole package, including the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because of all the people who've ever lived, he's the only one who is sinless. And yet he died not for his sins, but for your sins. And that he was fully dead and he was buried. But he, because of his righteousness, because of the Holy Spirit upon him, because of the Father's will, he rose from the dead the third day to see no corruption. Raised to brand new life, not just resuscitated like he did for Lazarus, but raised, resurrected to new life. Because that's the promise of new life in Jesus Christ. And so when, when Saul of Tarsus had his vision on the road to Damascus, this guy that you may not remember the name of him, but he's very important. This guy by the name of Ananias came and explained to Saul of Tarsus, this is what's happened. Jesus of Nazareth appeared to you, dead, dead, buried, and rose again, and has called you. So why are you still here? Get up and identify with Christ. How will he do that? He will be baptized. Your sins have been washed away. So this is symbolizing the washing of your sins. You have received the Holy Spirit. You are identifying with receiving the Holy Spirit. You are identifying with Jesus as your sacrifice. No longer the Pharisee trying to earn it on your own, but that Jesus did it for you. Crucified, buried, and risen. And that's how the Apostle Paul taught it from then on. So when you read the book of Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, his letters to Timothy, to Titus, to Philemon, it's because of things that he learned from Ananias that day when he needed to start the journey. And he was baptized by this guy. And so... Baptism has a lot wrapped up in it, doesn't it? But the reason it does is not because of its own power in and of itself. It is because it has, it is a physical symbol of all the spiritual realities that take place when we are born again. And here's the really cool thing that I wanted to wrap up with. And that is, You know, we do the Lord's Supper for as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. But baptism is to be done once. And that's because we believe in a once for all salvation. In fact, it's one of my favorite three words in the letter to the Hebrews. And he wears it out. That Jesus is our once for all. That we are saved. 
and I don't have to worry about losing it because the good shepherd isn't going to lose me. He's going to keep me. I may stray, I may wander, but he's the good shepherd and he's going to keep. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. No doubt. Oh, glory to the end and all of eternity. I'm his and he is mine. And so this morning, the invitation is that I don't know hearts. I only know what's on the outward. But maybe you feel it's time to take care of some business with God. I might have even had the physical symbol, but not the spiritual reality. But whatever it is, I pray that you respond as the Holy Spirit is prompting this morning. Will you stand and will you obey as the Spirit prompts?